there are certain awards the prestige of such awards gets many times enhanced when people like shri rajiv malhotra are the recipients of these and therefore uh, while iccr is the organization which is decorating at the iccr we feel that it is our privilege and we feel honored by getting this opportunity the distinguished indologist is shri rajiv malhotra shri rajiv malhotra is a trained physicist and computer scientist who had a successful career in corporate america at the highest levels he then started his own it companies in 20 countries in the mid 1990s he decided to quit all for profit work and dedicated his time to the study and defense of indian civilization on a full time basis His Infinity Foundation was the first to engage the American Academy and think tanks on a broad spectrum of matters related to India. Infinity Foundation gave over 400 grants to scholars and funded conferences, events and chairs in the United States. This gave Sri Malhotra a unique insight into the internal workings of Indology, how scholarship is built and sustained and the geopolitical impact of Indology. as the pioneer he saw debating and tackling issues many years before others even realized the impact of such scholarship on india and her civilization shri malhotra has been giving responses and rejoinders entirely on his own behalf as an independent public intellectual becoming a cultural ambassador in his own right he has written eight best seller books on the state of indology worldwide we we'll look forward to his next book which is to be released in delhi in a few months Shri Malhotra has quenched the thirst of a generation seeking knowledge about their roots. Through his books and talks, Shri Malhotra has educated and mobilized our young people to understand their culture and represent it confidently across the world. His specialty is studying the other side's history, philosophy, society and political thought. This allows him to formulate strong responses using the Indian civilization lens or drishti. As he approaches age 72, his swadharma remains to explain bharatiya civilization's value to the future of humanity uh now i would request uh president iccr dr sahasrapudde on the stage and uh, also mr malhotra on the stage to receive the award I would now request uh, Shri Rajiv Malhotra to deliver his acceptance speech. Namaste. You know, I it's been three years since I had since I've had the opportunity to give a live uh, live event. I used to do this. 50 60 70 times a year in the united states and then in india but due to covid and a number of other situations it all went online 
So it's a very nice feeling to be with real human beings, and I'm very delighted to have this opportunity. I want to thank ICCR and its chairman, Dr. Sahasra Budeji, for this honor, and to Honorary Consul General Jaiswalji for organizing this. But I also want to say that this is really an honor for a group of people that I've had the pleasure and distinct uh, on, uh, privilege of being a member of, a whole ecosystem which didn't exist 30 years ago when I started this journey. And we organized a whole lot of these people under the banner of Infinity Foundation, and there are other organizations also. So I want to really thank them for the faith, the belief that this was a cause worth having and putting a whole lot of energy and resources to sustain it. I want to make a few comments on what is Indology, what are the different kinds of Indology, what it was, what it is, and where it should go, or where it is likely to go. We know that Indology was started, Indology as a study of India has been in India for a long time. But that's our drishti of studying ourselves. But Indology, the name and the discipline, started in Europe because the Germans discovered the proximity of their culture to Sanskrit and wanted to take co-opt it and own it. And also Britain, because as a colonial master, they wanted to study their subjects in order to rule them better, to negotiate better, to rule over them better, to make them divide each other, fight each other. So this shaped the contours of Indology. They learned a lot from India but they did not include it in Indology because they did not want to acknowledge it. For instance, the Indian origins of a lot of mathematics, astronomy, medicine, these were not part of Indology. So you go to a typical curriculum on Indology per se, you don't find these kind of things. Mind sciences. In fact, uh, the Indian embassy in Washington invited me for a lecture series on Indian contributions to mind sciences and I'm doing a three or four volume on that. A whole lot of what is now uh, cognitive science, neuroscience is, is from Indian, Hindu and Buddhist both origins, but never considered part of Indology, so you don't have to acknowledge it. And this, is a, this list goes on. So when we started, we looked at how Japan Foundation, Korea Foundation, various of these kinds of foundations represent their civilizations in this country. We looked at the Chinese, how, how they're doing it, and so on, and used it as a role model to see how you know, India should be represented, which it was not the case. There was not, we didn't have mechanisms to even think about this issue. One of the first ideas that came was that the world of social sciences, liberal arts, humanities, is largely based on what I call Western universalism. The West's idea of freedom, human rights, social justice, environmentalism, gender studies, philosophy, these kind of things under, are the foundation of you know, these kind of disciplines. But there are other contenders. There is an Islamic universalism, which also claims that uh, an alternative view of society, politics, finance, a uh, whole lot of things. 
and there is now Chinese universalism, China's claim that it has, it has its own worldview, and according to its worldview, it looks at the world in all sorts of respects, as we know. It doesn't go with, the US says so-and-so, human rights, they say, well, that's your problem, we have a different view, different idea. So I started wondering, why not also talk about a Vedic universalism? And at that time, it was a very controversial idea. People would say, no, 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 you don't say or talk like that. We do puja in the temple and in our house and in our heart. And we want our tech people to get jobs and, we, and be successful. Let's not rock the boat. But I think today it's become very common and very uh, popular and easier for people to come out and talk about that we have a point of view for humanity. These are contributions for humanity. The Vedic civilization has its own ideas of human rights and social justice, its own ideas of diversity, its own ideas of environmentalism, and so on. In fact, the, there, there used to be 64 disciplines in the traditional Indian thought in the Indian system, like in Nalanda, which would qualify as liberal arts. So it's not like liberal arts has to be imported. India was a liberal arts education society long before the West had liberal arts. I, I discovered that China monitors China studies worldwide. So I started monitoring Indology in North America. And for 10 years, I, I would produce an annual report on who does what in Indology, where are the centers, what are the dissertations, what are the topics, what are they concluding, what's the motive, what's the outcome, who's funding it. I would do a whole ecosystem of Indology and I would go to these conferences and present it to them. And you know, this is, this is something that we moved on to many other things, so we didn't continue this, but perhaps it ought to be, it ought to be renewed. Now we found that China representation in, in the Western Academy was very much a Chinese point of view. What they think of Taiwan, what they think of uh, you know, Tibet, and very difficult for Tibetan freedom fighters to get into the, an audience where the Chinese people are speaking, Chinese dignitaries are speaking. Whereas in the case of India, those such audiences would be filled with Khalistanis, Kashmir separatists, not only in the audience, but also on stage, being the people who are giving the talks. So big difference. Uh, existed at that time. I must say that Dr. Jay Shankar, it's very refreshing, has changed this. He started talking back. He started saying, okay, that's your point of view. We have a point of view. And I'm very glad that uh, Dr. Sahasra Bude is also aligned and pushing this idea forward that we have to assert as a significant world power that we have a drishti, our view of the way things are. So I want to say that the Indology that we started developing as Infinity Foundation, we gave it two parts. One we called constructive Indology and the other we called disruptive Indology. Offense, defense, like in any sport. So the constructive Indology is very positive. It's about history of Indian science and technology. We produce 14 volumes. You can see them outside there. And uh, not only about the past contributions, but what these mean for the future of science. I'm, a, I'm myself trained in artificial intelligence long before it became, became a big thing. So I just did a book on AI and the future of power to bring out ideas that are uniquely Indian, which need to be brought out, which haven't been considered enough. And this could be the future, future approaches to uh, AI. So it, the study of Indology, I don't think it is only about the past and what happened in a limited framework. It is past, present, and future. 
it is not only the a limited religion it is not just religious text it has a lot to do with science it has a lot to do with medicine it should have it, we should bring all these kind of ideas human rights uh, social justice there are theories of lgbtq plus in indian thought in indian shastras there is no reason that we have to be uh, embarrassed or reluctant to bring these kind of things on the table in a very positive manner so there are there are these uh, uh, constructive indology domains the other domain is what i call disruptive indology and that is disruptive because there is a lot of bias in the in the in traditionally in the indological system that needs to be corrected it needs to be corrected with respect with in a very polite way in a diplomatic way but with facts and logic and china is doing a very good job they produce every year a report their report on human rights the chinese view on human rights so the, rather than being on the defensive and apologizing when the human rights report comes out from the us and saying oh okay we're very sorry we'll fix this problem they they give back their report and it's pretty interesting so this business of di disrupting the dominant indology that has existed for the past you know couple of centuries is an important thing to do so the, here you it, you might wonder what is relevant to today's policy making and i will tell you there is a new book that uh, Vijaya and I are publishing. It's a 900-page book. It will be our biggest book ever. It will be out in the next uh, two, three months, and that uncovers what is going on in the academic world. That then results in think tanks. It then results in things being exported to India, and what is behind the riots of uh, uh, concerning Article 370, concerning CAA, concerning all kinds of things that have happened. The recent. policies that the government had on uh, recruitment so you may think that these disruptions are all independent sporadic uh, but there is there are deeper forces that are making it happen and we are looking at where these forces come from who's behind it why it is going on so that too is a study of indology that too is within the scope of who is studying us with what motives so disruptive indology has to play a role in balancing the discourse from being too one sided right now uh, there there are uh, an impact of indology people ask what is the relevance of indology it was indology that came up with the aryan invasion theory and that created this whole north south divide the whole dravidian movement which we are living with it was indology europeans that created the notion of caste we had varna and jati it is not the same thing but to collapse varna and jati mistranslate and come up with this caste system and then turn it into a divisive force this is the result of other people taking control of our discourse and we didn't have control over our discourse so we have to take it back and represent the knowledge from our own point of view and that takes some courage so today unfortunately caste is being equated as race in this country there is a whole movement that all the laws on racism in this country should be applied to casteism so if somebody can if somebody makes a complaint that uh, there was caste bias then the united states hrd departments and in many universities also are required to treat it like a caste bias and prosecute it there was a case against cisco in in uh, silicon valley that some of you might know about and these there are now caste sensitivity training workshops at the highest levels in places like microsoft facebook and so on because they, so this is this is because 
others have defined us, others have translated these terms, others have come up with these theories. So we have to take it back. We have to take it back by saying this is our drishti, our point of view, and it's, 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 we are authentic and we are entitled to it. So this is a long subject. I just wanted to give you a quick briefing. We have some books outside that we publish. You're welcome, it's a complimentary. You're welcome to help yourselves to this. And I want to conclude by saying once, once again, that the, the government of Modiji, and particularly since Dr. Jayashankar became the head of MEA, uh, has changed the level of confidence of our people worldwide to be able to stand up and say we are Bharatiyas, we have a big civilization, we respect others. We are not disrespectful of others, but we have our own point of view and we are entitled to it. So I want to thank you for this, uh, this occasion and thank you for the honor you've given me. Namaste and Jai Hind.